is Cardinal Country. Cardinal Country this week is brought to you by Johnson's Automotive off Northland Drive, just north of Big Rapids, fixing foreign and domestic vehicles. Johnson's Automotive serves the area with honesty and integrity, and we have a special guest in the studios for this week, Coach Ian Janes of Ferris State Softball. Uh, Ian, you are the hitting coach at Ferris. Your wife is the head coach at Ferris, and you guys have been there going on four years, right? That's correct. Uh, so, you coached baseball. You were a, base, a college baseball player yourself, and then you jumped right into coaching at a young age. And uh, up until just a couple years ago, you focused only on baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what was what's the biggest difference you've seen coaching baseball to softball? I don't really see a big difference. I think there's a stereotype about coaching males versus females that is kind of a misnomer that goes with it um i found that coaching females is i coach them basically the same um they like details a little more but uh as far as the how i handle them um in terms of instruction if i need to discipline etc it's not really that much different and i think they appreciate that i think they appreciate being held accountable and I think they appreciate that I didn't just come in you know straight coaching like baseball Um, but I will say the one thing that I have to do is make sure that I can explain everything in great detail that goes along with it interesting so so in the the almost four years four years now um, that you and your wife have been at Ferris State what is there any difference in philosophy that you guys have instituted over previous uh, administrations is there uh, I mean it, you guys are doing pretty good the mm-hmm. last couple of years uh, four years means you're kind of just getting into your own recruiting classes now yes. um, so the expectation is probably that it's just gonna go even higher um, but did, is there any difference in philosophy that you guys have instituted over previous coaches yeah so this year is the first year that we're gonna have um, the entire roster be our recruits so um, in terms of philosophy, you know, not not trying to talk about other coaches, but we preach academics first. Like the reason that they come to college is to get a degree and then move on to, you know, serve their communities, et cetera. Um, so we make sure that first and foremost, they are on track to, to graduate. They're on track with their majors. Um, we're different from a lot of programs in that, you know, say for example we have nursing students um a lot of softball programs won't take nursing students because of the clinicals etc that go along with it a lot of time management um we allow that we work with them in their schedules and i think that was a little bit different from teams in the past um so we, we allow them to study what they want to study and then softball while it's important is kind of a secondary in lieu of you know their majors um so we work around their schedules in order to help them best suit their majors, and then softball comes comes with that. But softball is still important. It's still our main focus, obviously, um, and it's a little bit of a logistical nightmare at times. But uh, you know, we make it work. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that, that's extremely admirable, though, and and I think that there are coaches. I'm not saying that there's anyone at Ferris State or anything, but there are coaches throughout college sports that I think lose sight of exactly what you just said. It's, it's a, the sport first, 
And then, oh, hey, by the way, you're going to college as opposed to, hey, you're here to get a degree. Absolutely. And I think I think at a Division two school, especially, and in a sport like softball where there's no draft, like your number one priority should be academics. Mm-hmm. It should be, you know, your course of study. Um, but still, you know, I don't, I don't want it to seem like, you know, we put softball on the back burner either. There's still, um, I'm still extremely detailed in our studies on hitting, um, and what I, I do hitting. I wise. think that's, I think that's pretty evident. Anyone who knows okay. you and your wife, you, you guys are, I mean, you, you live and breathe it. So, um, it, it's, I'm sure it's not easy though. It's that balance of, Hey, we have these high expectations for you. Like I know you have physical expectations of softball players just showing up um, that they have to to be able to adhere to on top of any other expectations you guys would have throughout the season during game time or during uh, game time of the season as well as off season. Um, But on top of that, you're stressing academics. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, being an athlete, especially in 2020, is I don't envy them whatsoever. I mean, back when we were playing, um, just in terms of things like the pandemic, like the amount of time commitment they have to extra things that we didn't have to worry about is absolutely ridiculous. And I commend our athletes a great deal for their time management and their flexibility um, with everything that's going on. I mean, last spring, we only got to play 18 games before it all ended. Um, And our kids handled it tremendously well and they've handled everything throughout this pandemic tremendously well so i'm not sure if i were back then you know if if i were having to deal with the circumstances that they have to deal with right now um with all of the things going on the extra testing the extra protocols the masks you know remembering to have them all the time um i'm not sure i could do it effectively Mm -hmm. i would try yeah um, but I'm not sure I could do it effectively so yeah. hats off to the kids well and, and there's something to be said for uh, employers looking at student athletes um, I know graduating from Hillsdale there's a number of companies that specifically targeted student athletes out of that college and I think that that time management kind of dealing with crap that you you have no choice right like you can't control it right like mm-hmm. th- these girls have a scholarship to play. They want to play softball, so they have to go through the testing. They have to remember this stuff. You know, like right. But on that thought, though, your attitude about it, like, yeah, you obviously have to go through it. But how you choose to, you know, are you are you gonna slouch around and, you know, complain about having to be there, or are you just gonna make the best of the situation that you have? Yeah, and I feel like that's what our girls are doing right now. Yeah, yeah. So, it's it's. Uh, I think that's what makes them more employable. Is that they recognize this is something that i mean this is really the game of baseball uh there's so many factors in the sport that you do not control but you can so easily get really mad about oh yeah and and get thrown out of games or cussing people out you can't control it you Mm -hmm. know like and and i think this is just another facet of that off the field uh for athletes like your softball girls that you just can't control it. So what is your attitude going to be? And I, I just think little things like that all add up to make like that degree that they have from Ferris State and makes it that much more valuable is, I guess, kind of the point I'm getting at with it. Absolutely. Um, so how let's let's flip. Let's start talking about those girls. How uh, how how are you guys looking going into this season? Obviously, no fall ball, but. Well, no, actually, 
we're in protocols right now to see if we get to have fall ball. Oh. So, so the girls are going to get tested next week. We're going to see how all that goes. I mean, it kind of goes along with the entire student population as well. Um, there are four levels involved with getting back to play, but our hope is that we'll be able to practice here in a month. Um, but no guarantees yeah. based on that. However, heading into next season, I am very excited about the direction that we're going. Um, obviously, the last couple of years have been kind of a rebuild for us. Um, we've played a lot of young talent, and a lot of that young talent is now, you know, getting into their upperclassmen years. Um, we return an all-conference center fielder, an all-conference shortstop. Um, we have some good prospects in, you know, in the corner outfield positions. Um, we have a girl at first base who led our team in extra base hits last year as a sophomore. Um, the one thing that we've needed is pitching, and we've got some prospects in this year that I think are going to help us a lot. So I like the direction that we're going. Um, it's It's been a little slow compared to what I've, I've been used to. Um, coming from baseball, I coached a team that we never finished below 500, um, but we were also an established program. Um, we haven't finished over 500 yet since we've been here. Um, not due to a lack of trying, but just pieces involved in our philosophy, et cetera. And I see that next year um, as kind of all coming together. You can kind of see the older people who have been here that were freshmen when we first got here who are now, well, they're seniors, but they have two years left because of the eligibility rules. But you can see them really um, taking ownership over our philosophies and, and imparting some of that wisdom to the younger players, which is important in any program. You want your players to take ownership over what you're doing. If the coaches dictate everything that's going on, if they're always the one disciplining, if they're always the one holding people accountable, then it, it's not a very effective unit. If you have players who really buy into those philosophies and kind of police themselves within the team, the teams are much better. Well, because so. you have, there are two of you, right? Well, you have three coaches, right? You have one. Three coaches, one. yeah. So there are three of you. Yes. But if you get a class of even four or five seniors that all of them are doing this. Correct. Which is what we have. You have eight coaches. Which is what we have now. Yeah. So we haven't had that yet. No. So. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I, I, I've, I've heard, I've spoken with people about exactly that, like what makes a championship team. And that is. The biggest component of it. you look at you know some of the most iconic duos in in winning teams of someone like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Well, mm -hmm. you have one coach and one player, but the player is essentially the coach. I mean, you could be the smartest, most intelligent coach out there, and I'm not claiming to be whatsoever. But you could be a Bill Belichick, but if your players don't buy into what you're saying, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're the ones that ultimately go out there. They're the ones that put on the uniform. They're the ones that you know run the plays that you're trying to run a football or they're the ones with the bat that go up there during the game. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if they don't wholeheartedly believe in what you're preaching, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, I think that applies to any level. Too. Absolutely. I think that goes all the way up to the top. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you can see it. Like, uh, I think the, the best example is probably the Miami heat mm -hmm. bring in every superstar on planet earth to play for them. They really weren't that good. They mm -hmm. were good. No, but they, they should they shouldn't have lost a game they, if you think about it. They kind of had their own agenda there for the first year, but then they kind of figured it out yeah. as they went through. Yeah. Figured out how to play together. It so. just doesn't it doesn't always there's yeah, there's got to be a continuity of buy-in, message, all that. It starts from the top, but 
Everyone needs to buy in. And I think in the years previous to this, the upperclassmen tried, but they had just, they'd been subject to, okay, our first year, they had four different coaches in four years. That's four different philosophies. That's four different recruiting classes of different ideals that these coaches are, are trying to recruit. So you basically just have a giant mixed bag of different philosophies, and it's really hard to impart that one philosophy to someone who's had four different, you know, they don't know if you're going to be back at all next year. If, say, you're a redshirt junior and you've had four different coaches, well, who said, who says I'm not going to have a fifth different one the next year based on what they've been experiencing? I did not realize that. Yes. That is kind of crazy. Yes. So, and, and anyone that doesn't really think that, like, even just in recruiting, I mean, you could have a coach that is all about speed. You could have a coach that thinks that you got to go for the long ball. You could have a coach that only focuses on pitching. Boom, you have three different teams that have been recruited over the last three years. It's like putting it's together impossible. It's like putting together a puzzle with the pieces of four different puzzles. Like, yeah. It just can't happen. Yeah. And that was a really – it was a little frustrating that first year. I mean, they tried, but you, you got to understand as a coach that just having all those different things imparted to them – it was just impossible to to really expect them to wholeheartedly buy in like we talked about a second ago. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's no one to it's, – you can't blame a player. No, anything. not at all. I mean, they're, they're collateral damage and, and all that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as – so up here, uh, me coaching at the high school, what I tell a lot of these kids all the time to get recruited by a college – up here is immensely difficult. Oh, it's it's incredibly difficult. And and like the example I gave to uh, like Jackson Lund, who graduated a couple years ago, was uh, like Jack. You got to think about we had, you know, my timestamp starts with my class, so 2007. Um, we had three or four guys who ended up playing college baseball out of that class. Three of them, I think, and then like nothing. Yep. From there until, and there were, it's like sporadic. It's not like no one played college in between, but it's right. like one guy here, maybe one or two there. And they went to like a JUCO for a year or they tried an NAIA or something and mm-hmm. it just didn't really pan out. They didn't have like a full right. set career. And, you know, not knocking on any of those kids, different things happen all the time, circumstances, blah, blah, blah. Um, but as a coach recruiting, why would you focus on that school that it's like so sporadic as opposed to you go to you go down to Kalamazoo where the Maroons organization's pumping out pitchers or something right. or I don't know if it's still like this, but like Jenison High School used to have pretty good pitchers back when I was in high school. Why would you not get to know that guy? Right. Get to know that coach, you know? So how do you get recruited around here? My answer to that was essentially two things. Find a really good summer team and get on it, mm-hmm. uh, and win a state championship. Okay, I mean, right? Because if, if you win, yeah, if you win a state championship, like every coach is going to have to kind of look at that yeah. and, and recognize something. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so a lot of it, especially with those summer teams, is how you market yourself, and being up here um, as opposed to down in Grand Rapids, where there's a big saturation of of talent to choose from, like you have to have a reason to come up here if you're going to recruit a baseball player. Mm -hmm. So getting on those summer teams, they're going to market you out um, with their other players. And then those coaches will come out and see you play. If you don't have that option, then a good way to do it is 
um, to take video of yourself. We're taking a baseball or softball player, for example. Take like a, I'll take a baseball player, hitting wise, a 15 second video from the side views right at you, you know, eight to 10 swings. Then go from the back, eight to 10 swings. Then defensively, go out another 20 second video, couple ground balls at you, couple ground balls back, backhand side, couple ground balls forehand side, slow roller. If you're on the mound, um, you should take video with a gun behind the catcher, a radar gun. Um, you know, five, six fastballs, couple breaking balls, couple changeups, whatever you have. Uh, one thing in particular that, you know, when we're getting emails from recruiting videos that I don't particularly like is game footage because you have to fast forward through the entire video. So, I mean, I'm not trying to look like, uh, I don't know, standoffish, I guess, but I, I'm going to devote about 30 seconds to watching your video or going through your email because we get 80 to 85 of them a day. I was going to say, what do you mean? That has to be the only recruitment video no, that no, ever no, no. comes your way. We get 80 to 85 of them a day. Yeah. You've got 30 seconds. It's like it's like trying it, to get a job. Yeah, I was going like, to say, it's like, what's your elevator like, speech? Like, yeah. Yeah. So the videos need to be quick to the point. Show your swing. Show what you got. You know, and then I make a decision. I can make a decision based on a video for a hitter that I want within three swings. That's yeah. just how I've rolled throughout junior college baseball recruiting, softball recruiting. In terms of that, we do have a recruiting coordinator, but when we're looking at hitters, they'll send me a vid- they'll send me the videos of hitters they want me to look at three swings, and I turn the video off. Yeah, like it's that quick. The other thing, if you're going to do that, send out emails. Make sure they're personalized. Um, Isn't it odd that you have to say that. Like you would think that well, that would be well. It's like of course you run into the okay. You run into recruiting services. Some of them are good. Some of them I'm not going to say. I'm not going to bash recruiting services here, but. My last name is spelled with an N. J-A-N is in Nancy E-S. I can't tell you how many emails I get from those recruiting services where my name is spelled with an M. Mr. James. And as soon as I read that, nope. Yeah. Close it. Well, I do the same recruiting uh, for employees. I get cover letters that say to whom it may concern. Yeah. And if, if, I'm sorry, but if you say that, like, that cover letter better just I'm, I, I better be extraordinarily desperate or that cover letter <laughs> mu- better be like a work of philosophical art that's going to teach me something new about the business that I'm already in or in something like that. In 15 seconds? Yes, yeah. in, in, the, yeah. in the next <laughs> five words, you know. Because, it, it, I mean, but it's it's small little details like that that are Yeah, absolutely. And so you'd be surprised. Simple. We get mass emails. Like, we're on an email list with 80 other schools. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read that. Yeah. Like, we need five or six players a class out of... The entire softball playing population in the United States. You need five or six. Like, you have to wow us in 15 seconds. And that's not even counting, we got to come see you play. More than likely, right now, we can't do that, obviously, due to circumstances. But, like, we usually how it works is we look at those videos, we go, okay, I like that. And then we're like, okay, we're going to go watch you play. So, we've kind of established what we look at in the in the contact phase well when we go watch you play how are you as a teammate do you hustle on and off the field do you do the intangible things well or do you strike out and slump your head and slam your stuff in the dugout like we don't want kids like that like failure is in softball just as prevalent as it is in baseball i mean 
if, if not more, I mean, you look at team batting averages for softball, it's, it's, it's way lower. You're throwing from a closer, um, closer mound or pitching rubber, whatever you want to call it. And then you also have the added variable of in softball, there's an unhittable pitch, which is a rise ball, the trajectory of the ball going upward, your swing basically going upward. You in theory physically can't hit that pitch if it's thrown well. Um, well, that's a pitch that breaks my brain too, because everything in baseball is the opposite. Correct. Yeah. Throwing off a, throwing off basically a hill at a downward plane. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah you get it. There's the optical illusion how, that the ball can be up. But how no. do you handle failure? Yeah. Like, be, because you're you're not going to hit 500 at the college level at any level. I mean, an all-conference player. I mean, I think the best hitter in our conference two years ago was like 365. Mm-hmm. something like that. Like yeah. you're not going to see the 400, 500 batting averages anymore. So how do you handle that failure? Do you look like, okay, you got me this time. I'm going to get you next time. Or, you know, okay, I got to go do it with the glove now on defense. Cause, cause there's multiple avenues in the game. Like, and I think it's that way in any sport. Like how do you handle things when it doesn't go your way? Mm-hmm. And some kids handle it really well. Others do not. And those, and the kids that don't, and, and outwardly show it big time are not kids that we recruit. How how easy is it for you? Like you say, like 15 seconds, three swings. I got a pretty good idea of how you can swing a bat. How how long does it usually take you to go watch a girl play and be like, no, or, hey, I like that? I tend to spend a little, a little more time when we go watch a girl play. Um, usually it's our recruiting coordinator, but if I'm out there, I'll probably watch the entire game mm-hmm. just to see. Um, you know, if she starts up for one and I kind of see some things, okay, well, let's see how it goes in the second at bat. Um, let's see how it goes on defense. Um, they tend to get a little more leeway because if we're going to devote the time to travel to go see them, um, then they deserve a little more than the... I've, I've never understood that with some baseball coaches that I've known where they'll show up and, like, watch two innings. Well, if, like, you, if you really see the, the negative things that we're talking about, then you... Yeah. Well, well, I mean, guys, though, that got recruited that, like, I played with. Oh, really? And, and they're like, yeah, he showed up for, like, two innings and then left. So either he had already made up his mind and it was, like, a courtesy. Yeah. Or Maybe. I don't know what. But, like, I mean, I had – when my Hillsdale coach went and recruited me in summer ball, I went, like, 0 for 4 in the game with three pop-ups and a ground ball. And he was like, you're looking great. Thanks. And to me, as – well, those are the games we want to see because we want to see – Yeah. And, like, I, I, I didn't break my bat or – blow up or anything like that but it's like you know to me i was like i didn't even get hit like i'm not gonna get recruited now and he was like nope you're good thanks want to set up a visit all right cool that's a big misnomer that i kind of have with baseball and softball a little bit is the the idea that the game is centered on getting hits Mm -hmm. like okay we base our entire self-worth in the game based on how many hits we have in a game yeah that's not what it's about yeah it's you know, like I have to reprogram our hitters when we get there. We divide them into roles. So you've got your top of the order hitters who are like, your objective is to get on base. I don't care if it's via hit, walk, hit by pitch, error. That's your job. Just yeah. get to first base. And then yeah. we're going to use your speed to steal bases. Then you have your middle of the order hitters. I don't care what your average is. I don't care how many strikeouts you have. I care what your slugging percentage is, how many RBIs you have, extra base hits, OPS, Etc. And then you have your kind of executor type hitters. Do you execute situations when we ask you to do it? Mm-hmm. None of those are, are centered on how many hits do you have? Yeah. Or, you know, you've got your nine hole, your catcher who hits nine hole. Catching is a defensive position. Like, play defense. 
handle a pitching staff. I want my pitchers to feel comfortable throwing to you, um, and I want them to trust you. That's that's priority number one. Mm-hmm. If we get anything offensively out of you after that, it's just a bonus. So, I, it, you know, I, I get recruiting is difficult, and a lot of it is based on metrics and how many hits you have. But after that, it, it's it's not all about hits. Does breaking your like your lineup down into sections like that, like quadrants like that, does that help you Extremely. in recruiting? Yeah. Extremely. Um, well, it helps mainly in success. Like last year was the first year we actually did it, and we only got to play 18 games, but it's extremely effective because our kids really bought into it, and those top-of-the-order hitters are like, I got to get on base. That's all I got to do. And you never saw them slump their shoulders at, you know, if it was via – you know, reaching on an error. It was like, okay, I did my job. And then they could steal bases and score runs. And I think that that's playing into uh, your entire team philosophy of what you're talking about when we started. Correct. I don't care. It doesn't matter what I did. Yes. I got on base. I scored. That's uh-huh. all that matters. Uh-huh. All right. So I always liked uh, uh, Tyson at Hillsdale. I was like his hitting philosophy and how he defines players. I think it's, this is his way of getting to exactly what you're talking about is my guess. Cause he, he asked each of his offensive players, how do you get to second base? Are you going to be a top-of-the-lineup guy? Essentially, you're going to use your speed, put the ball in play, get on base, steal bases, or are you going to expand the outfield? What's your option? What kind of player are you? And then you develop that player into right. that in, into their strength in that regard. There is such a uh, blanket philosophy i think and in a lot i went through it my entire college career every coach i had of just like this is the type of player that everyone should be everyone be like albert pujols yeah right? uh, when it turns out there's one of them on earth and that's why he gets paid 300 million dollars like yeah so instead it's like hey my strength was to to go attack the outer side of the plate and use the whole field go gap to gap with it yeah but no one ever told me that. Like I had to figure that out for myself going into like my junior year in college. Oh, like we've got two players. One's our shortstop, and she's barely five foot tall. Like, and we've got we've got a middle of the order type hitter who's six feet and can hit the ball two miles. Mm-hmm. You can't coach them the same. Yeah. The the five foot shortstop is an all conference player. She runs really well. She can pop in the gaps for doubles, but. Because she runs so well, she's a slapper as well, so it makes her a dynamic type hitter. So if you just tell her, get to first base, she really took that on. And, she, I mean, she was hitting over, well over 400. When wow. We, whereas, you know, that six-foot tall girl who can hit it two miles, like, yeah, her batting average wasn't that high. It was, you know, a little over 200. But she was also second on our team in extra base hits mm-hmm. and drove in second most runs. Etc. So, batting average and that's that. Yeah, I mean, do you look? Do you look more kind of? I guess you could almost say it's, it's like out of that movie Moneyball. But do you look more at like runs scored versus team batting? Like, I mean, if you had a team batting average of one fifty, but you led the conference somehow, I don't think this would happen. But led the conference in runs scored, that's a success technically. Right, you're scoring more runs than any other team, even <laughs> though apparently someone only gets a hit. When I mean, ultimately, on. the most important statistic is for someone in my position, runs scored. Yeah. Um, I look. I tend to look at 
on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS. Those are my three yeah. big ones. Because batting average can be a misleading statistic in the fact that I could have a girl hit three bloop, you know, awful swing hits to, you know, the opposite field side. And I can also have a girl go one for four with a double, but she hit four absolute missiles to center field, one of which got over the center fielder's head. Which one am I going to be more pleased with as as a hitting coach? Well, yeah. probably the girl who hit the missiles because ultimately those are going to benefit us in the long run. Yeah, the uh, expected batting, there's all these stat cast things now with baseball, but you know the expected batting average of it, and we were just going back and forth on the the White Sox Royals series that just Don't concluded. Talk about it. Well, I thought there was one in, an interesting thing. I think it, it may have been game two, maybe in game one, where Tim Anderson had two hits. He cued one off the end, and then he cued it again, and he had two hits on it. And Louise Robert came up and hit two line drives at like 110 miles an hour and was out twice. Yeah, and it's like that's just how it happens sometimes. But you're right. Yes. As the hitting coach of the Chicago White Sox, who are you gonna? Hey, good job, Louise. Yeah, man, you got lucky, Anderson. You know, like <laughs> nothing wrong with Tim Anderson. No, though. no, there's not. But uh, yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, uh, I don't know, just getting like you. You are very knowledgeable about hitting a baseball, softball, how the swing works, the physics of it, uh, the biomechanics of it. And everything, uh, so it's always easy to nerd out with you about stuff yeah, like this. Yeah, well, I love it. Yeah, um, but uh, it's also really interesting to hear kind of how you put together a team and the type of player uh, that that you're looking for. So, you know, as a, a high school softball player, is that something that you would recommend? Hey, I uh, I have a tendency to elevate the ball. I'm a, a bigger than the average girl, stronger than the average girl should I just look to hit home runs instead of I got a coach telling me I got to hit line drives or I'm fast, but I got some power. So I'm just going to swing for the fences, you know, like should they try to find a niche in high school or should they just play ball and, and kind of let I'm a little hesitant fall? to say to do that just because different coaches have different philosophies and I don't want if somebody were to listen to this and, you know, say they play for Don Thompson over the high school, I don't want them being like, I heard that coach with the big head on the podcast say <laughs> uh, to do this. Like, yeah. I want them to do what their coaches tell them to do. I'm just telling, I'm just saying that's how we do it here. Yeah. We want to find what works best for the skill set of the players that we have mm-hmm. and within the roles of the lineup that we're trying to construct and then and then go forward with that. I, I don't think it would be mm, – outside the realm of possibility to ask the question to your high school coach about it. Um, so these are what I see my skill set as. What what do you see? Um, I am a big believer in the, the coach-player relationship being a little more even. I like my players to be able to express themselves to me, obviously respectfully, but a little more freely than, than maybe most. Um, cause I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know how they tick. I want to know how I can best coach them moving forward. And, and one of the, one of the ways I do that is asking them what they feel or say, if you have a question, come ask me type of thing. So I wouldn't, I would say, ask your coach about what, you know, what they, what they see and how they want to construct their lineup and how you best fit in that lineup. So whatever they say is the best way for you to get into that would be the best way to go. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit here and say the way that we do things is the be all end all. Cause 
you know. Yeah, but you have the biggest brain. You have the biggest. No, head. I have the biggest head. I don't <laughs> have the biggest brain. So uh, if you if you had to give, I don't know, three pointers to a, to a high school softball player on how to get recruited, what would you tell her? Uh, all right, number one, <laughs> um, take short video and personally email your coach, the coaches that you wish to go to school. So actually, I'm gonna. That's gonna be number two. Number one's gonna be. Um, write out a list of the schools that you want to go to um, at all levels and then I would find someone that you trust that will shoot you straight and go these are the schools that I think you can go to with your skill set and maybe some of these schools like you know (laughs) when I was going through school like I would have loved to have gone to Florida State to play baseball but I did not have the skill set to go play there yeah um so, so that was not a school that I, I went after. And I yeah. had coaches that told me, hey, you're really, really slow. So <laughs> probably not a good idea. So number one, devise that list of schools that you would like to go to. Have somebody check it over and look at it. Then number two would be put together the video that we talked about with the with the hitting, the side, the back, the defensive videos. Um, and then number three would be to email all those schools personally looking up the recruiting coordinator or head coach first i would look at the recruiting coordinator for each school if they have one if they don't i would email the head coach personally put that person's name in there um and then email them your video possibly put something in there about their program that you saw on their website like um you know maybe they did some field renovations we're going through a field renovation right now so you had a really nice field renovation would really love to be a part of your program um and then shoot those off and see what you get back Chances are, uh, like we respond to all the all the emails we get that are personalized. Like we don't respond to the all the recruiting service emails because there's too many of them. But if somebody personally sends us an email, we will respond to them with either like, "Hey, send us your summer schedule," or like, "Hey, our recruiting class is full." Um, I, I have, I would like to venture to say that a lot of programs would do that. We'll send you something back. Um, but those would be the three things that I would do. Um, and then also get good grades okay well that was (laughs) number one a would be (laughs) yeah well mainly because in softball like division two level we get 8.7 scholarships if we are fully funded which at Ferris we are not but and at most division two schools softball programs are not fully funded so Mm -hmm. what we like to do is you know we can stack academic money on top of um, athletic money. So if somebody gets a 4.0 and a really good standardized test score, well, they're going to get a lot of academic money. So we don't, in theory, have to give them as much athletic money to get them to whatever level would get them to come. So yes, number one absolutely would be one A A A would be to get good grades and a good standardized test score. Yeah, because that's going to that's going to get you the most money whether you play softball, baseball, football, or not. Mm-hmm. Well. I mean, I, I knew a kid uh, who <laughs> literally got recruited. I, I don't think he played three innings after he transferred uh, after JUCO ball, but he got like seventy-five percent scholarship to go to Wayne State because he was a really good student. No, I, I appreciate he was on the team. He just he was there for a GPA boost, and you know what? Sometimes that happens. I appreciate you saving me on the grades thing on number one because uh, I guess I just assumed that was a given. 
No, I mean, uh, we got really wrapped up into <laughs> no, we did. the right. more fun part. Yeah, no. sorry. No, I appreciate it. Because yeah. if I would have walked out of here without saying anything about getting good grades, my wife, who is also the head coach, would probably hurt me. So so what was her background? She played, did she play she, at Fort Scott as well? No, she played at Gannon University in Pennsylvania, which used to be a member of the GLIAC. Mm-hmm. Um Following that, she took a job at Ottawa University in Kansas as an assistant coach. Um, and then after that, she wound up as the head coach at Fort Scott Community College Softball. Nice. So, and is that, that where was, you guys met? That is where we met. Nice. Nice. All righty. Coach Janes, Ian, thanks for joining us. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and, and all the uh, just knowledge just oozing out of you on how to get recruited and put together a lineup and build a program. It's been it's been good. Thank you again. No